is the Homestead Journey Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the pursuit of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. This is episode number 101 of the Homestead Journey Podcast. Welcome, welcome everyone. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the Homesteading Journey. My name is Brian Wells, and I am coming to you from beautiful upstate New York. And here it is mid-September. And folks, those cooler nights and shorter days are starting to, well, they're starting to set in. And so it won't be long and we'll be, what is it? We fall back, I guess, setting the clocks back. Those of us that observe daylight savings time. So we'll be falling back here in a few weeks and then the days will be even shorter. And so that certainly besides the off homestead activities that I'm involved in, the shorter days are starting to really cramp my style. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's head on over to this week's homestead happenings and I'll bring you up to speed with what we've been doing here on the homestead. This past week was definitely one of those weeks when my homesteading activities were seriously curtailed by my off-homesteading activities. So at our church, choir has started back up after a well a hiatus of 18 months, I think it was. Um, we shut down for COVID, and uh, it was so great, folks, to get back together and to sing with people. It's something that I just absolutely enjoy. And so I was so excited to get back to doing that this week. And uh, I actually thought I told people, I think I'm going to cry <laughs> the first time that we sing together. I did not cry, but it was a very emotional experience. And it was certainly um, something that uh, I was so grateful to be able to get back to doing. And uh, so that certainly was Monday, had a bunch of other things going on throughout the week, meetings just about every night of the week. Uh, but even still, we were able to get some homesteading stuff done, and a lot of it really goes back to garden, garden, garden. Um, but before we get into that, let me just give you a bit of a piglet update, a bit of sad news to report, and that is that unfortunately, we are down to two piglets. So I don't know what's happened. Um, this mom is usually a good mom. And so I don't know what's taken place here, um, but it is what it is. We'll give her another run in the in the spring, as I mentioned last week. Uh, the fact that it was only a litter of four to begin with was something that was a bit concerning to me anyhow. And so we'll see what she does next year. But um, this, well, this may be her second to last litter. And then she may be retired, which is very disappointing because out of my two original sows, she is certainly by far and away the most good natured. Um, the other one's a little bit more high strung. I like her, but this one I absolutely love. Um, not my favorite pig. My favorite pig is still Bear, our original boar. Uh, but Sage is certainly one that I, I absolutely adore. I call her Big Mama and uh, I just love her. Um, but she may be reaching the um, the end of the road 
And so then I am going to be faced with a difficult decision. But onto the garden, um, the tomatoes are really in full in full swing right now. Um, so I have been doing a lot of washing tomatoes, coring tomatoes, and then my wife has been drying them and putting them in big freezer bags. I've lost track of how many bags uh, of tomatoes we've put in the freezer. I did just pull out a bag and a half because I'm in the process of making salsa. And so I'll tell you about that a little bit more here in a minute. But certainly tomatoes have been a big part of our garden uh, experience this week. In fact, it's been the majority of what I've been harvesting this week. But I did go ahead today. I'm recording this actually on Saturday again, and I'll explain why here in a moment. But uh, I did go ahead and start picking some of my dry beans today, some of my shell beans, and I'll be doing a run of those. I've started um, shelling the beans to actually do uh, up some pints of shell beans, which I absolutely love. Um, and also a lot of peppers. So my green peppers this year have done the best I think that I've ever had green peppers do. And so I have been cutting them up into strips and then I put them on a cookie sheet, let them freeze, and then I put them into freezer bags for storage. I'm not quite sure what else to do with green peppers, to be honest with you. I know I could dehydrate them, um, but I'm not sure how I would use them. I could dehydrate them and then grind them into a powder. But again, I'm not sure how I would use that. You see, I'm somebody who is a bit of a finicky eater when it comes to peppers and onions. I do not like diced peppers and onions in casseroles. Now, I certainly, it's very, it's very weird. I, I can't explain. I, I just can't explain all of it. <laughs> I don't understand it myself, but just suffice it to say, I don't care for them that way. Now, you put them on pizzas, um, or if we do peppers and onions with uh, steak, um, I, I like that. Uh, but if you dice them up and put them in like a spaghetti sauce, or you put them in a casserole, I just do not care for them. It triggers my gag reflex. Anyhow, so if you have any suggestions on what else I can do with my peppers, I'm all ears because I have got sweet peppers right now coming out my ears. Now I'm going to be making some salsa. That certainly um, is a way to use them up. Um, but beyond that, I'm at a bit of a loss. So help me out. If you've got any great recipes or great ways to preserve sweet peppers beyond freezing them, let me know. I am all ears and I'm a bit desperate because, well, my peppers have done very, very well this year. The other thing that uh, I picked today was I picked a lot of hot peppers. Now, there are a couple of varieties of hot peppers that I grow to make a hot pepper sauce. They're called volcano and mariachi peppers. They're both hybrids. They're not very spicy. One lends itself to be a bit sweeter. When you combine them together, though, they make the most delicious hot pepper relish uh, that I've ever tasted. And so I will be making another batch of that. Very excited about that. And so I picked uh, some of the ripe ones today and am looking forward to making that uh, probably tomorrow. As I mentioned earlier, I am in the middle of making salsa. So I've been chopping up peppers and hot peppers 
and I'm defrosting tomatoes right now. Um, and I'll be making salsa tonight. And so excited about making that. I absolutely love our home canned salsa. So much better than what you can buy in the store. And um, although over the last several years, I have not watched as much football as I used to. I do enjoy whenever my Bengals are on local broadcast TV, which admittedly is not very often. I do enjoy sitting down to watch a game or two and certainly having some salsa and chips mm, is just a great way to enjoy yet another Bengals loss. (laughs) Hopefully the season will be better this year, Um, but anyhow. So that's what I've been up to this week. Again, a lot of it is garden, 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 preserving, preserving, preserving. But hey, it's that time of year. Before we head on over to this week's Charting the Course, part of the reason why I am recording the episode on Saturday instead of on Sunday like I normally do is because tomorrow I am actually going to be recording a couple of interview segments with uh, another podcaster. It's actually going to be with Carl from the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. If you're not familiar with Carl's podcast, I definitely would recommend you check it out. He actually is based across the pond in the UK. And so it's going to be very interesting to get his perspective on homesteading. I'm excited about asking him some questions about how they do things over there as opposed to how we do things over here. So I think it's going to be a great episode. So excited to do it. And so we'll be recording one episode for his show and one episode for my show. Um, So the episode for my show will be released next weekend. And I'm very excited about that. Um, I actually am going to be out of town next weekend attending a charcuterie class over in Massachusetts, which is actually something that's been rescheduled twice. This is the second time it was rescheduled. It was originally scheduled for March of 2020, and then it was tentatively rescheduled for October of last year. And then obviously, um, because of the COVID rates and so forth, it got pushed out until this coming weekend. And I am just so excited about that. I will actually be meeting Jack Polner from the Mindful Homestead in person. I'm actually going to be spending a couple of nights with him and Jackie and Emma. And so I am sure that there will be some goodies that Jack and I come up with. At least that's my plan. So Jack, I bet you've got some plans to yourself and uh, we haven't really talked about it, but when you get two content creators together, um, I'm sure we'll be hatching up some great stuff. And so stay tuned for that. But All of that to say that next week's episode is going to be a little bit different in that there will be no homestead happening segment because I will be leaving right after work on Friday to head on over to the uh, Mindful Homestead. All right. All of that said, let's hop on over to this week's Charting the Course. So back on episode 46, and I know that's a long time ago. In fact, it was the end of August of last year. I did a podcast entitled 10 Things You Can Do Now to Set Yourself Up for Success for Next Year's Garden. And today, what I wanted to do was kind of springboard off of that a little bit 
and share with you some of the things that I have been learning this year in my garden and how I am applying those 10 things that I talked about last year to help me hopefully do even better next year with our garden. Now, this year's garden has certainly in some ways maybe been better than gardens of years past. And in other ways, it really hasn't been as good as gardens of years past. Every year, there's something that we learn. And certainly the weather patterns that we're dealing with affect productivity of our garden. And this year being an extremely wet, uh, rainy um, summer affected some of the things within my garden. There were certain things that I was kind of trying out this year that did well, other things that didn't do so well. And then there were some things that, well, the jury's still out. For example, my sweet potatoes um, or my Irish potatoes, I haven't harvested those either. So I can't really fully speak to how well I did or didn't do with those things. But certainly there were some experiments that worked well, some experiments that didn't work so well. And so I'm always trying to learn so that I can better my gardening and achieve a more abundant harvest in the following year. Now, sometimes it is tough to know when you have something that maybe doesn't produce well, if it's the first time you're trying out a particular variety and maybe you have a weird wet summer like we did this year. Well, did the variety not do so well because of the weather conditions? Did it not do so well because of some soil conditions? Or does it just not do well in this area? Sometimes it's tough to know all of that. And so my recommendation, if something doesn't quite work out well for you, the first year you try it, give it a second try and then make a decision. But anyhow, let me just run down through with you some of the things that I have learned this year. So in the past for my green pepper, my go-to green pepper has been a variety called King of the North. This year, I tried a variety called New Ace, and I am going to be switching over to New Ace. The New Ace peppers were much bigger. The walls were much thicker, and they were just more productive than King of the North. So as I mentioned back on episode 46, sometimes what you need to do is as you're trialing out different varieties, is there something that is going to work a little bit better for you? Learn from that and then move forward. Along with that, this year, as you might recall, I tried a few different varieties of zucchini and summer squash because I was having problems actually growing them. And I had kind of been planting the same varieties over and over and over again and never really trying anything new out. And well, what do they say? That's the definition of insanity, right? Trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So this year I planted a few of the older varieties, but I also planted a few new varieties to see well how well they would do. And I have discovered that there are a couple of varieties of zucchini that are going to do better for me. One of them is zucchini Romanesco, and one of them is called, I believe, Green Machine. Don't hold me to that, but I believe that's what it's called. And then I also planted another variety. It's kind of, it can be used as a summer squash. It can be used as a winter squash. It's called Center Cut. 
It comes from row seven seeds and it actually did very, very well for me. The only issue with it is it is more of a runner type squash. It doesn't stay in place. It's not more of a bush. Although the zucchini Romanesco ran quite a bit on me as well. Um, so that was a, a bit of a downside, especially in planting those in raised beds. But certainly the productivity that I got from both of those varieties was top notch. And so they will be my go-to varieties for kind of a summer squash and kind of a zucchini. The center cut, it's more of a, it's really not technically a summer squash from the standpoint of a yellow type summer squash. It's it's more of a, it, it looks like almost a butternut squash, but with a long neck, um, but then it's green. So if that makes any sense, look it up, um, but very delicious in the summer squash type use. And now I'm going to let some of them become more hardened and then use them for winter squash. And we'll see how we like them that way. I've also learned that while the square foot garden spacing recommendation for beans is to plant them nine per square, I'm just finding that that's a bit too crowded. And so next year I've made a note that I'm going to back off and I'm only going to plant eight bush beans per square and see if they do any better that way. I'm also going to start staking my peppers. Now I've been trellising my tomatoes, but my peppers, I've never really worried about staking them up. However, they have been so productive this year that many of them are just bowed right over. And so I am going to be getting stakes for my peppers and tying them up, not trellising them, and I don't plan enough in a row to do any kind of a Florida weave type thing. So I will be staking up my peppers. Another thing that I discovered this year was kind of by dumb luck, but that is that I can utilize the fence around my Ruth Stout bed as a trellis. So I planted some pole beans, uh, they're purple potted pole beans on some bean poles. And one of the bean poles that I set up is a, it's in a teepee type format. I set up next to, well, not that far away from the fence. And because they are a vining bean, the next thing I knew, those beans were climbing up the fence. And I'm like, this is really easy. I can pick these very, very easily off the fence. And so I think next year, I'm just going to plant some beans along the fence line and use that as a trellis and see how that works out for me. But I really, really liked it this year. And again, that was just kind of dumb luck, but sometimes those things happen and you learn from it. So always trying to learn from what's going on in your garden so that maybe you can, well, repeat the mistake on purpose next year. Last year, I planted way too much okra. I planted, I think, three different varieties of okra. I think I planted jambalaya, I planted burgundy, and there was a third variety of okra that I planted. And I had more okra. We're not huge okra eaters, um, but I do enjoy okra, uh, particularly fried. I love fried okra. I like pickled okra. Um, boiled okra, not crazy about it, but if you chop up some okra and throw it in with your roasted root vegetables, I really enjoy that as well. 
This year, because I had planted so much okra last year, I decided I was going to cut back. And so I cut back to four squares and that was not enough. I just did not get enough production at any one time to really do much of anything besides cutting it up and putting it in with roasted root vegetables. Um, I didn't have enough to pickle at any one time. Uh, I didn't have enough to really bread and fry. I mean, I could have, I guess I had two or three onesies, twosies, but I don't know. I just don't like messing around with it. If, if I'm not going to get a lot of payback for it. So I've decided I'm going to plant more okra next year. I'm also going to plant more flowers. Last year, I planted a lot of flowers. This year, I didn't hardly plant any flowers. And so I'm trying to find that happy medium. One thing for sure, I want to get some sunflowers going. And I bought sunflower seeds this year with the, the desire to get some sunflower started. In fact, I started some in some seed trays and they got spindly on me and I never direct sowed any. And I had a friend actually give me some. I planted them out in the garden in random spots, not really thinking it through very well. And then I thought, what are those things? Those look like weeds. And then I yanked them out and then realized what they were. And so I think I've got one sunflower now up in my garden. So definitely I need to plant more flowers and in particular sunflowers in my, in my beds next year. Another thing that I grew this year for the first time, I've not eaten them yet, but I certainly love the way they look. <laughs> and that is a variety of dry beans called Jacob's cattle. If you look them up, they're a, a yellow mottled bean. It's, it's like a white bean with yellow spots on it. Let me, maybe that's a better way to describe it. They're a dry bean. And so I went ahead and picked them today. Now, I only got one packet of seeds and that packet of seeds actually had less in it than what I thought was going to come in it. I didn't pay as good of attention to how many seeds were in a packet. Uh, and so I wasn't able to plant as many of those as I would have liked to. And so my harvest this year is not as abundant as what I wanted in part because the bush bean varieties certainly don't give as much as what the pole bean varieties do. And then I didn't have that many bushes to begin with. And then I had them planted very close together. And I think that's just been stunting the growth. So next year, my plan is to buy more of the Jacobs cattle bean seed and then plant more of it so that I can harvest more of it um, because it's very, very pretty. Now, maybe it won't taste good and then I'll change my mind between now and uh, planting time next year. But at least I have it on my list that those are some things that I would really like to plant more of next year. One of the beans that just did phenomenally for me this year was a new bean for me. And that's a variety of bean called Cherokee Trail of Tears. It's a black bean. And again, it's a dry bean. And it was prolific. The only downside to it is that the beans themselves are a little bit on the smaller side. Um, there was another variety. It's a bush variety called black turtle, I believe, that I had wanted to try this year. And I ran out of space, so I wasn't able to get it planted. So I'm going to try that next year. But that Cherokee Trail of Tears bean 
was very prolific. And so that's certainly one that I will be planting again next year. The final thing that I've learned this year so far, I'm certainly learning stuff every day when I'm out there in the garden, but that is that I need more hay in the root stout bed. I need more hay for my potatoes because some of the potatoes I can see have been sticking out from the hay and I wasn't able to see it because of the foliage of the potato plant itself. So I definitely need to get deeper hay in the, in the potato area, but also the weeds in certain spots have kind of gotten out ahead of me because I have not been adding hay like I should have. So that's just a lesson that I've learned. But having said that, certainly this year's Ruth Stout bed has been far more productive than last year's Ruth Stout bed. In part, I think it's because of all the rain. In part, it's because it's a second year. And usually they say two to three years on a new garden bed for it to really come into its own as you're adding hay and organic material and you're doing all of the things like I, I was broad forking that ground. And so I think just the combination of all of those things, certainly the roost out bed this year was far more productive than last year, which was its maiden voyage, so to speak. Keep in mind, last year, I did not irrigate it at all. That was on purpose. And last year was a very, very dry year. So the combination of those two things may have had, probably had some impact on the productivity of the roost out bed last year. But certainly this year, the roost out bed did very, very well, but I need more hay. So those are just a few of the random things that I've been learning this year in my garden. What have you learned in your garden? I'd love to hear from you. Let me know if there are some lessons that I've learned this year that maybe you think I haven't learned them right. I'd also love to hear from you in that regard as well. And if you have any tips on preserving green peppers, sweet bell peppers, I'd love to hear them. Brian at the homesteadjourney.net is my email address. Let me know. I'm desperate. All right, folks, that's it for this week. Have a good one. Brian can be reached by emailing him at brian at thehomesteadjourney.net or by contacting him via our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support this podcast, we invite you to become a member of the Supporting Listeners Program. For $10 a month or $100 per year, you will receive access to a community of like-minded individuals via a private Facebook group, at least one monthly live Q&A with Brian, the opportunity to participate in live recordings of the podcast, access to an ever-expanding library of helpful homesteading content, and so much more. Head on over to support.thehomesteadjourney.net for more information and to sign up today. As always, the music on this episode was provided by audionautics.com. So a big shout out to them. And until next time, everybody, keep up the good work.